Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Good morning. How are you guys doing? That's good day, mate. Uh, so I heard Greg say it, and then I just had to respond in kind. All right, well, hey, uh, as was mentioned, my name is Nate, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to be uh, chatting with you guys today. Um, and before we get started, I just wanted to say uh, a huge thank you to Pastor Brandon and Emma for, honestly, it's your guys' leadership and the, I don't know, just like the way that you guys lead is really cool. And you guys lead with a lot of authority and also with a lot of humility. Um, and even just for myself, going into speaking here and writing this message and um, prepping and spending time with God and letting God like work in my heart for this, I, I think uh, I'm just really... Uh, privileged to have the example of you guys as pastors and leaders that I get to follow in your footsteps uh, and actually get to see the way that God is working through you guys in leading this church and get to be a part of that. So thank you guys very much. Can you join me in thanking them? We're going to start off today jumping right into scripture. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 13 verses 31 to 32. Matthew 13, 31 to 32. If you have your Bible, why don't you get it out? Who has your Bible? Hold up your Bible if you got it. Yeah, woo! All right, okay, we got a cell phone, kind of. Um, and, okay, another Bible, amazing, that's awesome. Yeah, but if you got your phone, that's great, too. Pull out your Bibles, look up Matthew 13, 31 to 32. Of course, it'll be on the screen behind me as well. It says this. It says, he told them a parable. This is Jesus talking. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch on its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Let's pray. God, we just thank you this morning for the opportunity that we have to be in your house, to gather together as your church, to worship you, to glorify you, to encounter your power and your presence here today, Lord God. Jesus, I just pray that you would be with us as we unpack your word, Lord God, that you would be speaking uh, through this message, Lord, that your scripture and, and, your, and, your, and your word, Lord God, would just permeate our hearts and transform us from the inside out as you draw us closer to you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. We're starting a new series today called Set Apart. Set Apart. Apart, And this series is all about our faith and our vocation. Our faith and our vocation, our work, our careers, our callings, what we do with our lives. The thing that most of us, honestly, are going to spend most of our time in our life doing is actually working. And so we want to take some time and we want to talk about it uh, here at church because it's, a, it's an important part of our faith and following Jesus and who God is calling us to be. And so if you're taking notes today, the series is called Set Apart, 
And this message is called Made to Matter. Made to Matter. See, what's really interesting is I did this uh, whole like Instagram poll kind of thing in preparation for speaking today. And so I put up some Instagram stories and I asked people to share like, hey, what do you do? Like, like whether you're in school or working, like what do you do for school or work? Uh, what do you uh, uh, get frustrated by in your work? Uh, and what actually like brings you joy or delights you in your work? And if you could do anything else, what would you do? And I got some really interesting answers and some interesting responses. Uh, my brother just put in like the biggest troll answers ever uh, and then DM me afterwards and was like, hey, like don't like actually share those though. I was like, okay, cool bro, sounds good. Um, but, uh, but I got some really interesting answers. And what was cool is it was obvious from these responses uh, that, that we kind of all know deep down that we're made for work. You know, I think a lot of us, like, we might not have this thought consciously. You know, I don't even know if many of us would acknowledge it. But I think that deep down inside of us, a lot of us actually understand and we know that we're meant to be working. That our life isn't meant to just be, like, leisure all the time and, like, just, like, sitting around and doing nothing. And that work actually is a valuable, beautiful thing that, like, we want to do. It feels good to, like, do good work, to do significant things, to make a difference in the world around us. It was so interesting reading people's responses, somebody who's in biochemistry, and they said what brings them joy, and they talked about the, how invisible things in the world work. I was like, oh, that's so neat. That's so interesting. And, and, and all the different responses, I think pretty much every response that was given of why people, what people like about their work was the work itself. Like the actual work itself is what people like about their work. I think deep down we know that work is valuable. You know, there was a, an electrician who said that they love that their work is specialized and unique and it keeps them thinking. It allows them to use their God-given mind uh, and creativity and problem-solving skills. There's somebody else who, 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 who loves getting to make a difference. I saw that one a bunch of different places, whether it's a difference in your company or a difference uh, in people's lives, uh, just by bringing joy to them as you serve them in a customer service role. There was somebody who, who works in social work and gets to make a difference in people's lives through that and, and find so much value in that. Other, somebody else just said the job itself, straight up. Somebody else said uh, getting to innovate and come up with cool ideas. Helping people came up a couple times. All these different things are related to the work itself. And what was so interesting is that the things that people found frustrating were barriers to doing their work. So see, the thing that frustrates us with our work actually often isn't the doing work itself, but it's the barriers to actually doing that work. More than anything else, people were frustrated by bad leadership and bad management, which just a quick aside, I think is an important reminder for us as Christians that we're actually called to grow in our leadership and grow in our influence. And by being Jesus-centered people, healthy disciples to actually step out into our workplaces and be the good leaders that people are desperate for. But people were frustrated by bad leadership, by politics in the workplace, by not enough time to get their job done, by other people's shoddy work, uh, by not having uh, uh, enough work to do, by people getting angry and frustrated and getting in the way of them being able to serve others. All these different things were what frustrated people. It wasn't the work itself. It was actually the barriers to doing the work. In fact, I had got like quite a few responses, and only one person out of all of these responses said that like doing work itself was a frustrating thing. Everybody else, it was a barrier to doing work. And I think deep down we know that this is something we're made for. 
It's interesting. I've been talking to a few guys lately who have recently started their careers or are doing co-ops. And they've ended up through co-op or, or early stage in the, uh, stages in their careers doing these jobs where there's not actually like always a ton of work for them to do. Or even if there is some work for them to do, it's not always the most challenging work. And there's this consistent refrain from some of these people I've been chatting with where it's like just kind of this defeating and frustrating thing. Because we crave and we desire to do good work, to, to have a significant impact on the world around us. There's something inside of us that yearns for it. And when that need's not met, it can be incredibly frustrating. And I personally uh, know this firsthand because I worked some uh, pretty frustrating jobs uh, in my co-op and early career stages. Um, my, uh, my one co-op was pretty tough. It was for the government of Canada. And if you're a government worker here today, I'm sure you're one of the few that's working really hard. But, um, but that wasn't my experience when I went to work for the government, okay? Uh, it was, uh, you know, coming from, you know, doing some co-ops with, like, startups and things like that. Even doing a co-op with a university, which is, like, a government-funded organization. And then going to work for government camp, I was like, oh, my gosh, nobody's doing anything. Um, and I was working there, and the work that they had for me to do in three months, I was able to complete in the first three weeks. And the next thing they did is, that, so I was working on this national shipbuilding project, and so what they did is they gave me this giant contract. It was about yay thick, about like that, and uh, the print was like just teeny, teeny, tiny. It was this massive contract that we had with the vendor who was doing it. And they're like, you know what would be helpful? Why don't you just read through this and just kind of like uh, uh, paraphrase the whole thing? Just read through the contract and paraphrase each section so it's like a quick little paraphrase guide. And you know what? I think it'll just really help you understand contracts better. And I looked at that and I said, I am never going to do this with my life or my career. And then I spent the next uh, whatever was left of three months working on church stuff while I was at the government office. Um, so, yeah, glad that was uh, good for uh, the embassy back in the day. Uh, <laughs> But not only that, I, then I graduated, and so I, I finished. I was like, yeah, I never want to work in government. I've learned some things. I was like, I want to work in sales. I graduated, and my first job coming out of school was driving around a giant rainbow van. I think we have a picture of it here. Yeah, come on. Look at that absolute beauty. Uh, so I worked for a company called Floral Image. It was an awesome company. The small business owner who ran the franchise that I was a part of was a great guy, uh, and he was building his business. He was actually finding value and significance in his work. He was a Christian guy who actually brought his faith into his work in a beautiful way. We were selling fake flowers to businesses, and somehow he, like, made that about He's like, we're bringing the light and joy and brightness into people's life. And I was like, dude, I love you. And it was awesome. But the problem for me is I spent almost all of my days just driving around in this van. I was barely talking to people. I barely got to use my brain. I feel like the gifts that God had uniquely given me just weren't being operated in. And I was getting frustrated and tired and burnt out by it. And the craziest thing happened. See, I worked that job for six months and I quit and I went to go work for Desire to Learn, a tech company in town here. And the craziest thing happened. With this job, I was working just like a tight eight hours a day. And I was exhausted all the time. Constantly tired constantly worn down. I was terrible at helping around the house. I wasn't doing as well as I should have been and how I was serving in church and trying to build God's kingdom that way. And I was, and this frustrating job was actually draining everything else in my life. And I made a switch to this new job at D2L and I was working way more. 
I was working like 10, 11 hours a day, sometimes even more. I was grinding it out. I was using my brain. I was working way harder within the day. But by stepping into the things that God was actually calling me to, by actually finding significance and meaning in my work, by understanding that I was doing good work and, and contributing and providing value to the world and what I was doing, there was an excitement to it uh, and, and a beauty to it. I actually was more energized. And actually having uh, this better perspective on my work, having a healthier view of what I was doing with my 9 to 5 or my 8 to 6 or whatever it was at that time, actually allowed me to be a better leader in church, a better husband, and a better friend, a better family member, and a better person overall as God was able to work across my life in a more beautiful and holistic way. And I think a lot of us, we understand this. We know deep down that our work has meaning, that it's important. We have a sense that it's valuable. Uh, we understand, we look at our calendars and we realize that it's actually most of what the time, like waking hours we're going to have in our life are going to be spent working. But then on the other hand, we feel like we have our faith. And it's like, okay, I got my work and I kind of feel like there's value in this and I'm called to it. And I'm encouraged by it. I'm going to spend a lot of time on it. But over here is my faith. And my faith is this thing that I do on Sundays. And it's, this, it's my devotionals in the morning. It's that 10 minutes in the day. My faith, is, my faith is what I do when I serve on a team. And my faith is what I do when I go to my local or study the Bible. Like That's my faith over here and my work is over here. And there begins to become a bit of a disconnect between the two. See, we want to, we've experienced the love of Jesus. And we're excited. And we know the Holy Spirit is working. And we want to live for God. But sometimes it can feel like our work is this massive block of time in our calendars. And we start to see it as something that's getting in the way of the real stuff. Of the important stuff. Of what God is actually doing in our lives. And we see these things as two separate things. I think a lot of us just look at this and we end up confused and frustrated and not sure how to make it all fit together. We try our best and we're like, maybe it's just like I got to invite people at work out to church. That's how I'm going to make it matter and be significant. Or maybe for some of us, we, we heard this verse like I did just time and time again growing up that everything we do must be done unto the Lord. And we're like, all right, just by doing the best work I can, that's going to make my work significant. Or some of us, it's like, hey, I just need to make as much money as possible so I can be generous, and that's going to make my work significant. And what we want to do with this series is talk about the fact that, yes, all of those things are part of it and so much more because our work and our faith are meant to be fully integrated and complete parts of a whole life surrendered and following Jesus. See, God cares about our work. Our work matters. What you do matters. We were made for work. God cares about our work and he wants to use our careers and our callings to transform the world around us in those and so many other ways. See, we were made for work. I want to really quickly go through some of the narrative big picture of the Bible, of Scripture. See, uh, we were, God created humanity in the Garden of Eden. And one of the first calls that he gave to people, the first like task and, and assignment that he gave is that we would rule and subdue the earth. That we would rule and subdue the earth. He gave this call to Adam and Eve. And, he's, and, and in Genesis, which is this book that's all about the proper order of things. Uh, as he's ordering things, he orders humanity to actually be stewards of earth. It says that we were created in God's image so that we could have authority over the earth. We were actually made to be like God, to be in his image. We were actually created in his image so that we could have the we could share in his authority. That he could actually give us some authority 
community and that he could actually invite us to partner with him, to be co-laborers, to be partners in this venture of building a beautiful world and a beautiful earth. There's this really cool thing where the Bible starts in a garden and it ends in a city. It starts in the Garden of Eden, and then we see as we get into Revelation, we're talking about the future hope of humanity and what eternity is going to be look, look like that is described as a city, this beautiful, like, new Jerusalem, this incredible city that is full of beauty and justice and peace and love and the goodness of God and where we are working with God in this city. And what we see is that God's perfect plan for us was not just that we would stay in the garden, but that way we would actually develop the garden with him that we would actually rule and subdue the earth, that we would work with God to build something beautiful and amazing and wonderful, and that is actually still our hope for all of eternity. But what happened is we had the fall. Sin entered into the picture. Humanity decided to to stop surrendering to God and trusting fully in him and and try to actually take power for ourselves uh, and, and to do things by our own strength. And in doing so, they created this rift and this separation from God. And what it says in scripture is that is why our work today can feel toilsome, why it can feel hard, why it can feel like a burden sometimes, why there can be these barriers to the good work that we are called to and we know that God is placed in our heart because we live in a fallen and broken world. And so we see this big picture. There's a garden and there's a city. We are made in the garden. We are created to build the city. We see that there's this beautiful plan that God has for us to work with him. We were created for good work. Our work is not something that is just a punishment uh, uh, or or a, a state that is only here and now, but it's actually something that before the fall existed and is going to continue into eternity. We're created for purpose and for work. And what we see is that in the midst of this fallen world, where work has become toilsome, Jesus enters in. He shows up, and he begins to announce a new kingdom. He begins to say, hey, I know that it's been tough out here. I know that it hasn't felt quite right. I know that it's not been perfect, but I'm actually here to announce a new kind of kingdom, a new kind of world, and you get to be a new kind of people who are actually going to be living and operating out of my goodness and my glory, out of my beauty, out of my justice, out of my peace, and into the proper purpose that you were created for. See, Jesus, in announcing his new kingdom, he's inviting us into a new reality where his spirit transforms us from the inside out to be the people that we were always meant to be. See, we sometimes, I think we look at scripture and it's like, yes, like, like, like we do not have to work for our faith at all. We don't have to work to have a relationship with Jesus, but we've been created to do good work. See, all throughout uh, scriptures, as Jesus declares his kingdom and he announces his mission statement and why he's here, it is to save us into good works. It is to save us to be agents of his kingdom, to be people that live a Jesus-like life, that operate in the ways and words that he has called us to. We see this. Uh, just uh, right around this passage of the mustard seed. Right before it, there's this uh, uh, parable that Jesus tells of a farmer sowing their seeds and scattering their seeds, and it falls on different types of ground, and it falls on the hard ground, and, and, and no- nothing grows. And it falls on the shallow soil, and it sprouts up, but then it quickly dies, and it, it falls amongst the weeds and gets choked out. And then there's some seed that falls on good soil, and it says that those crops grew up, and they had this amazing yield. There was amazing fruitfulness on the other side of these crops growing up. 
And what that parable is about that Jesus explains, he says, hey, I am the one sowing the seeds and the different plots of land are the different people who hear the message of my kingdom. And some of them, it's just going to fall completely on deaf ears. For some people, they're going to be excited about it right away, but then trouble's going to come in and they're going to drop it and they're going to walk away from me. For others, the temptations of the world are going to be like weeds choking it out uh, and taking away that. But for those that can be a part of, that are a part of my kingdom, for that for that, that soil where we just receive that message of God, where we allow the Holy Spirit to be the one to transform us from the inside out, there's going to be fruitfulness on the other side of it. There's going to be value on the other side of it. There's going to be beauty on the other side of the kingdom of God. And so I believe that we need to have a bigger picture today of what it means to follow Jesus, that to be a part of his family, to be a part of his kingdom is to be saved for eternity, eternity but, be, but to be saved to do good work to be fruitful, and to honor God. So let's get back to the mustard seed. God is describing this kingdom. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. See, we're a part of a kingdom that at times today can just look like a seed. See, we're not living in the fullness of God's kingdom yet. And sometimes we can go about our lives and go through this world and we can feel frustrated because it feels like we're doing good work and we're trying to follow Jesus and we're letting him transform our hearts and we're showing up to our jobs and we're trying to be faithful and we're trying to share Jesus and we're trying to do all this stuff and, and it just feels like it's not growing and we don't know where it goes and where it ends and what it's ultimately going to look like. And I want to encourage us here today that every good thing you do matters in eternity. See, God is growing a beautiful tree. He is building a beautiful city. He is creating something with us. And even if it looks futile, even if it looks pointless, even when it feels frustrating, I believe that our work here on earth today matters. And I'm not just talking about the work that I do. The amount of times people come to me and they're like, yeah, like, oh, man, I wish I was doing something like you. But, you know, uh, I'm just working in customer service. It's like, yeah, but by you honoring the customers that you serve, by you bringing the joy of Christ into your workplace every single day, what you are doing is just as valuable in eternity. Somebody, somebody might come to me. I, I get in these conversations where it's like, oh, yeah, like, I'm just an electrician. Like, you know, like, so it's good. Like, I want to do kingdom stuff, but, hey, electrician pays bills. Like, yeah, but by you just, like, wiring that house the best you possibly can by putting that effort and that work and your God-given gifts into that, that is just as valuable in eternity. See, your work matters, and it will matter for all time. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. This is right after Paul has been talking about the resurrection of Jesus and the power of his resurrection. He says, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not 
in vain. See, our work is not in vain. Our serving those in need is not in vain. Our work in our jobs is not in vain. Our relationships are not in vain. Our inviting people to church is not in vain. Our serving on Sundays is not in vain. All of our work, both our careers, our vocations, our church work, our relational work, none of it is in vain because God is building something that we get to contribute to. N.T. Wright says it this way. He says, what you do in the present by painting, preaching, singing, sewing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself will last into God's future. And he goes on and he uses this example. He's like, we don't know totally how this works. We don't totally understand like the cosmic science behind it all. But his best example is like, he's like, think about it like, if God's building a city, everything we do now is making the bricks. In some way, in some shape, in some form, everything we do now that is God-honoring, that is out of the power of the Holy Spirit and not our own power and our own striving, is going to be building for eternity. So what? So what? So what do we do with this information that our work matters? That it actually has an internal impact? I think it's kind of a challenging thing in a world that tends to either despise or deify work. It's either like work is like this capitalist construct that is being used to oppress all of us and we got to fight back against hustle culture or or on the other side, it's like, look at me with this picture of my Lambo. This is what it means to be valuable and have meaning and have purpose in life. Uh, you know, come check it out. You can be like, you can be an awesome boss, baller, hashtag boss like me one day too. I feel like in our world today, we either despise work or we deify it, setting it up as an idol before us. And in that context, in a world that is striving, I believe that we are called to be a people who are rooted in rest. See, if we want to actually be successful in our work, if we want to have a healthy approach to our careers and our vocation and our calling, we need to be people who are rooted in rest. Understanding that it's not by our strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit that we're actually going to be able to do the work of the kingdom. That we can't will ourselves and strive for that work, but we can be countercultural. Instead of striving, we can be a resting people who trust in God to work through us. And this doesn't mean to just be lazy. Because I'll tell you, what we see in Genesis laid out is six days of work and one day of rest. We are meant to be a working people. We are built for way more work than we are built for rest. But it actually takes that resting in God of, of just, just surrendering to his power and his spirit to actually be able to do the work that he is calling us to. We need to be a people of rest in a world of striving. I think that in a loud and lazy world, a world that wants to actually have as much volume and as much significance with as little work as possible. It's like, hey, how can I like do a four-hour week and like be like the most famous influencer I possibly can be? In a world that is striving for status and popularity without often not wanting to do the hard things behind the scenes, I think that we need to be a people of quiet discipline. We need to be people who are faithfully serving, not out of a place of trying to find significance or find identity, not out of a place of trying to just make as much noise in the world around us as possible, not out of a place of trying to find our value in what we do, but actually humbly knowing that we are loved and we are children of God so we can be quiet and disciplined, working hard behind the scenes, trusting God with the results as we put the inputs into the process.
And finally, in, an, in a compartmentalized world, we need to live fully integrated lives. You know, I think one of the biggest problems we have is that we live in this world where it's like, well, hey, you know, you can't talk about church at work because that's the workplace. Or, you know, you can't talk about this here because, you know, hey, we don't bring that into the classroom. We live in a world that says, hey, hey, our faith and our politics need to be completely separate. When the reality is like, man, my politics are a reflection of my values and my values come from my faith. So there's no way to completely disentangle these things. We live in a world that is pushing us further and further to compartmentalize, to break things down and say, you know what? I'm gonna be a Christian on Sundays, but Monday to Friday when I'm in the office, I'm just another employee. And I believe we need to fight back against this. We need to not see our, the work we do to get paid and the work that we do to serve in church and the work we do to serve those in need in our community and the work we do to invest in our kids and the work we do to build our families and all the different kinds of work that we have in our lives is all these different separate buckets and these separate things. But we need to understand that it is all work of the kingdom, all of it all together is part of who God has called you to be. So in a world that is compartmentalized, in a world that is striving and seeking out the quickest significance possible, what does it look like for us to surrender before God and say, God, I'm going to surrender not just my Monday to Friday. I'm not just going to surrender my job to you, but I'm going to surrender every moment of my life to you. I'm going to realize that my career is not my only work, but I have this full life with all these different opportunities and all these different callings and all these different ways that you want to work in me and through me. So God, Holy Spirit, would you equip me? Would you use me? Would you give me a fresh vision and a fresh perspective and a fresh viewpoint on what I am called to do so that I could live out the, king, the kingdom life that you've called me to? Why don't you stand up today? If you're here today and uh, I just want to take a minute and uh, <clears throat> I just want to take a minute and provide an opportunity for anyone here today who has never made a decision to follow Jesus before. You know, as I was talking about, we believe that Jesus came and he broke into eternity. He he jumped into the timeline and he brings about this new kingdom. And if you've been living life feeling frustrated and tired you've been living life without following Jesus, just trying to live on your own, and you've been experiencing the hurt and brokenness of humanity, of the bad choices you've made, of the bad decisions you've made, and you actually want to get rid of that and have a relationship with Jesus. I just want to provide that opportunity. We believe that God came in the form of Jesus, that he died on a cross, and in doing so, he took on the punishment that we deserved for our sins for the brokenness inside of us, for the mistakes that we've made, for the things in us that are wrong and jacked up and messed up. And that all we have to do to receive the gift of eternal life, that all we have to do to step into this new kingdom life where we can find true meaning and true significance and true value before God is to surrender and admit our mistakes and accept the gift that Jesus is giving us. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to take a minute right now. If you're here today and you're like, hey, I want to make that decision to follow Jesus, why don't you just raise up a hand? Wherever you are, why don't you just raise up a hand? And all that that means is just saying, hey, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. I want to actually be an apprentice or a disciple of him. 
pray for those making that decision this morning. God, we just thank you for anyone here who's choosing to follow after you for the first time, Lord. God, I just pray right now that you would just begin to stir something in their hearts already, Lord Jesus. That you just begin to call them home to you, Lord God, and they would know that you love them, you care for them, you value them, that they don't have to keep looking for their identity in, in all these shallow things of the world, Lord God, but they can find true home and purpose in you, Jesus. God, I just pray that you would equip them and bless them as they enter on this journey in your name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we celebrate that? If you made that decision today, that is the best decision you could ever make. And uh, we want to come alongside you and resource you and support you as a church. And so uh, Pastor Ben or Pastor Jerry is going to be back up here in a minute. Uh, and they're just going to tell you what some of those next steps will look like for you. I want to close our eyes again and bow our heads again. You know, if you're here today and you're like, yeah, like, honestly, I've been feeling like I don't know. I don't know if I've been actually, like, living the purpose-filled life that God has called me to. It's like, hey, I'm not actually totally sure that I've been bringing my, my, my full faith and, and, and expectation of what God can do into my work. And, and I don't know if I've been bringing it into my family. And I don't know if I've been bringing it into all these different parts of my life. Like, I just, I haven't been able to crack this code yet. It's been frustrating. But I feel this this call and this tug right now that, hey, I need to re-surrender what I do with my day. I need to re-surrender every minute and just begin to ask God, like, hey, how can I be surrendered to you in every moment? How can I see that every minute of my day matters before you, Lord God? And just begin to, to release that to him and allow the Holy Spirit to guide our words and our actions throughout our days. If that's you, why don't you just raise up a hand right now? We're just going to have a moment to pray together and surrender before God. Thank you so much for raising your hands. Jesus, Lord God, I just come before you right now. God, I just repent for the wasted moments in my day, Lord. For the times when I just am not even thinking about what is most right and valuable to you or what you've called me to and I'm not listening to you, Lord God, and I'm not inviting the people that I need to invite and building the relationships I need to build, Lord God, and doing the work I need to do, Lord Jesus. I just lay that down before you, Lord God, and just pray that you would use every single moment of my life, Lord God, because it matters. And there are places that you've placed me, Lord God, that only you, you've only put me, Lord Jesus, and you, you're trying to work with me, and this is beautiful gift when we get to partner together, Lord Jesus. So I just pray right now that you would just begin to work in my heart. You begin to transform my mind, Lord God. You would just begin to work in every single moment of my day. Jesus, I pray for every single person with their hand raised here this morning, Lord God, that you would allow us to walk out of this place with a new sense of significance, with a new sense of purpose, with a new sense of calling, with a new understanding that what we do matters, that you have a plan for us, that there is value in our work, there is value in the places that you have placed us, Lord God. I just pray that you would bring us a heart of excellence, Lord Jesus, a heart of evangelism, a heart to see our world and our city and our spheres of influence transformed by your power, Lord God. We surrender every minute and every moment to you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. 
We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.